Hey, this is Lee Snow, the preacher for the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ here in Columbus, Georgia. And you have found our podcast. We hope that this message inspires you, that it equips you, and that it builds your faith in Jesus Christ like never before. If you have any questions or you want to tell us your story, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out at any time. We are here for you. We're here for each other. Most importantly, we're here for the Lord. Um, because we only have one question this month. I'm really glad that we only had one question because it was, it is a, it's going to take a little bit of time to study through it. Um, so get ready. We're going to be turning to a, a, a number of different passages today. Um, but we're going to start in Revelation chapter one, verse 18. The question for this month is when was hell created? When was hell created? Okay, so on the outset, the Bible doesn't give us an exact time. Um, and it also mentions three different places with reference to the word hell. Okay? Um, but none of those places does it give the exact time in which it was created. So what we're going to do is we're going to study those three words, those three places, and then we're going to make an assumption Based on what we can study about it, and what we know for certain from Scripture, we're going to make an assumption on when that place was created. Okay? So, the word hell is an interesting word. It's 23 times in the King James Version, only 14 times in the ESV, the English Standard Version. And that is because the ESV translates um, one of these words as the act. It transliterates the word instead of changing it to hell. So, the three words are Hades, Tartarus, and Gehenna. Hades, Tartarus, and Gehenna. The King James, if it's one of those words, it will be the translation, hell. ESV, if it's Hades, it just says Hades. If it's Tartarus or Gehenna, the ESV will say hell. Okay? Now, uh, we'll try to hit on why that is um, as we go along. Okay? But first, we're just going to take the three words... And we're going to study through them. So it's going to be kind of a, uh, a Bible class with no responses, as it were. So, okay. Um, number one is the word Hades. If you look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Well, let's start at verse 17, just so we can get the paragraph. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he, had, he laid his right hand on me, saying... This is Jesus speaking to um, John the Baptist in this vision not John the Baptist, I'm sorry, John the, the Revelator, the Apostle John, um, on Patmos, okay? So, he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death, and ESV, Hades, or King James will say hell. So, I have the, the keys of death, and Hades. The word, first word we're going to look at is the word Hades. Okay. Now, in Greek, you have uh, most words are um, compound words in Greek. So, uh, for instance, you have the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. Okay. But then, if you put a a in front of it, it means not knowledge or agnostic or 
agnosis, okay? So um, agnostic means we don't have the knowledge. Most Greek words are compound words, okay? So Hades is a compound word that is the first word a, second word idien, which just means not seen, okay? So Hades going just by the definition of the word means this is a place that is not seen. It also comes from another, there's some kind of conflicting ideas on whether it comes from ADN or if it comes from this other word, which is ado, which, um, which means all receiving, okay? So it's the not seen place that receives everyone. That's what the word means. Now, when we go to the Bible, see like Revelation chapter 1, Jesus holds the keys to death and to Hades. In Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 8, he says, I looked and behold a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. So in the vision of the four horsemen, John sees Death and Hades. Jesus says he has the keys of Death and to Hades. Now, um, about a week and a half ago, um, I got the question and I didn't add it into the Q&A because of this question. I knew we were going to talk about it. But the question is this. Where do, where do we go when we die until Jesus comes back? And the answer is the Hades. The not seen, all receiving place. That's why Jesus in Revelation 1.8 he says, I, 18, he says, I have the keys to death and to Hades. Because not every person at the judgment is going to have died, right? There's going to be a lot of people who are alive at the judgment day. So he has the keys of death. And he has the keys of the all-receiving area. Now, um, if, uh, if you look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. Okay, Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So, death is physical death. Hades is the place where all the spirits are, where the souls are. If you look in Luke chapter 16, you have the, the parable or the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man goes to torment and Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom. Presumably, those two people, since uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 23, 24, 23 or 24, one of those, says that the rich man was in Hades. It's safe to assume, it's safe to know that Hades has two parts. Torment and Abraham's bosom, or paradise. Okay? So, in Revelation chapter 20, you have death, the physical death, and Hades give up their dead. Which means there is a bodily resurrection at the judgment day. Every person who has ever died, their physical body will be resurrected and their spirit will be brought from Hades and they will be reunited again into their physical body. And the question then comes, well, what about cremation? If he can make the world with his voice, he can find the parts that used to make you. Okay? So, death and Hades are brought up at the judgment day, and their body and the spirit are reunited together for the judgment. 
In fact, in Acts chapter 2, the reason why we know that Hades is not just torment is because Jesus went there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 27 through 31. Okay? So, Hades. It is the not seen, all receiving place. It is the place that is in Luke chapter 16. There's the paradise or Abraham's bosom. And there is torment um, where the rich man is. So, the question is then, when was Hades created? Since Hades is a place for the spirits of human beings, people who have lived on earth, then it's relatively safe to assume that Hades was created when we were created, when mankind was created before the creation, or at the creation. Um, Again, none of these were given to... Here's when they were created. But we're just assuming, given the fact that Hades is the all-receiving place of spirits of man, that it would then be created sometime around men being created. Or the fall, or somewhere along that line. At the first beginning of the book of of Genesis. Alright, now, let's go on to the second term, which is Tartarus. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2. Verse 4. To Taurus. This is where ESV is going to start translating it hell. Okay? 2 Peter 2 verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, or to Taurus, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if He did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when He brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen at the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, then, verse 9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Alright, so we're focusing on verse 4. But if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into Tartarus and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. That is the only time that this word, Tartarus, is used in the New Testament. That's it. Okay? While Hades is used almost ten times, Tartarus is only used once. 2 Peter 2, verse 4. Now, there are two instances where it's used in... Um, the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was done around the time that Jesus was born. In Job chapter 40 and, verse, and chapter 41. But the only time that an inspired individual used that word is um, in 2 Peter 2 verse 4. Now, go to Matthew chapter 25 real quick. Let's take another passage that doesn't mention the word, but it talks around the same topic. And we'll we'll try to extrapolate from that when this area was created and what it is exactly. So 2 Peter 2.4 says that God or Jesus or the Godhead cast the angels into Tartarus. Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire 
prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, Tartarus seems to have been past tense in 2 Peter 2. Okay? So, if you go back there, just real quick. Um, God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but when they sinned, implied in the verse, but when they sinned, cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness. That is past tense. So, it's reasonably understood that Tartarus is the, for lack of a better term, the Hades for angels. Okay? It is the waiting place for angels. In Matthew 25, it talks about the eternal fire. Uh, verse 41, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and for his angels. Which is not, necess- not understood as Tartarus. Um, so, Tartarus seems to have been created at some point prior to creation. Because... Um, just for time's sake, we're not going to go into a, a huge long study of this, but it seems as though, given Scripture, that the angels had a testing period, just like we are in our testing period now. Um, and so, when an angel rebelled or sinned, they were sent to Tartarus, Presumably, immediately, given Second Peter two four, they didn't have a savior. They didn't have a way of redemption, and so they were they were sent to Tartarus to wait the time at the judgment. Because at the judgment, that's what Matthew twenty four twenty five is talking about. At the judgment, mankind and angels that sinned are going to be combined into the same place. Now that place is the third term that is used in the New Testament about hell. So, Hades, presumably created around the time that mankind was created or around the time that mankind fell. Tartarus, presumably created before creation of mankind while the angels were in their testing period. Now, the third term is Gehenna. The word Gehenna is... um, is used, well, let's just look at kind of the history of the term, um, history of the place, rather. Turn to Second Chronicles, Old Testament, Second Chronicles 28, verse 3. Okay, so Gehenna is a Greek term that is, the, the, the Hebrew equivalent is Hinnom, H-I-N-N-O-M, Hinnom. It was a valley, it, it reaches... Um, and try to do this backwards. So, if you have Jerusalem right here, you have the Mount of Olives is on the east side of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is kind of on the side of the Mount of Olives. So you would go up the hill to the Mount of Olives where Jesus was at the, the, the last days of His life and so forth. And Jerusalem is kind of on a plateau on the side of this mountain. And then... Um, to the east, to the sorry, to the west and the southwest of Jerusalem, kind of doing a, a backwards J, um, is the Valley of Hinnom. 
Okay? And the Valley of Hinnom is mentioned a number of times in the Old Testament. And the New Testament, it had been, the, the name had been changed to Gehenna, or the Valley of Gehenna, because that's just the, the Greek term for, um, or the Aramaic term for, uh, for the Valley of Hinnom. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 3. He made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his sons as an offering according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Okay? Then you, if you jump over to chapter 33, verse number 6, and he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom and used foretelling, fortune telling and omens and sorcery and dealt in mediums with necromancers, he did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So, the, f- the first times you hear about this valley of Hinnom, the valley of the son of Hinnom, the, the backwards J on the west side of Jerusalem, first times you read about that is where Old Testament Israelite kings would practice paganism. They practiced the, the offering of their children to the god Molech, which was a large statue with his arms outstretched and a grate, and they would build a fire under the grate, and that's how they would offer their children. Um, that was in the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom is where they would go to practice sorcery, practice fortune-telling, um, do the, the, the occult things of paganism in the Valley of Hinnom because it was outside of the city. And... Even the, the wicked kings of, of the nation still kept it somewhat outside of, of the city, although it's 150 yards on the outside of the city. Now, let's go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 10. This is a rather long reading, so I'm going to read it quickly. 2 Kings 23, verse 10. He defiled... Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one <clears throat> might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. And he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had, decide, uh, had dedicated to the son and the entrance of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan, Nathan Molech, the chamberlain, <clears throat> sorry, which was in, his, which was in the precincts. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire and the altars on the roof of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the king of Judah had made, the altars that Manasseh had made to the, in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He pulled down and broke in pieces and cast the dust of them into the brook Kidron. And the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon the king of Israel had built for Ashtaroth the abomination of the Sidonians, and for the Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And he broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the Asherim and filled their places with the bones of men. Okay, so it mentioned that the mountain of corruption, that was the southernmost tip of the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Corruption. What they would do is eventually... The, the paganism, you know, it was, it was practiced in this valley of Hinnom. And then they started needing higher places because in paganism, 
your 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 altars need to be higher up so they can be closer to God. And so they started building Ashtaroth. And an Ashtaroth is where they would take a tree and it was basically like a a pagan topiary. They would build a tree and they would trim it and make it look like certain gods. And they put those on the side, on the southmost part of the Mount of Olives, okay? So he comes in. Um, This is King... uh, uh, I don't want to say it wrong. Josiah, yeah, okay. So this is King Josiah. And um, he tears down all the asterisks off the mountain. And he threw them into the brook Kidron, which is the brook that runs down the middle of the, of the valley of Hinnom. Okay? So he throws them into the valley and he burns them. Okay? Now, fast forward to the New Testament times. Because of all the paganism that had happened in the, in the valley of Hinnom before the ter- carrying away of Babylon, or to Babylon, and before all the, the pagan kings and all that stuff that had happened in the valley of Hinnom, um, because of all that, the New Testament Jews didn't want anything to do with the valley of Hinnom. And so it became the trash dump. Okay, So they would take all their trash there, they would burn it, they would so forth. That's why Matthew chapter 22, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, and Matthew 5, 29 through 30, um, it talks about the fire that burns in Gehenna. Because they, the, this area had been turned into a trash dump where it was just constant fires, constant trash fires, where they were just getting rid of trash. And it came to be that if you were Jew and you went into the valley of Gehenna, then, then you would be unclean and so forth and so on. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 10. Last passage, I promise. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but, can, and can, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna or in hell. Now, we mentioned Matthew 25 verse 41 at the, at the judgment day. Every, all of the people on the left are going to be gathered. They're going to be going to the to the eternal fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels. That is hell. That's what we think of as hell. The eternal place that never quenches, that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, that he brings up in Matthew 10, that he again brings up in Matthew 25, that is Gehenna. That is hell. Eternal hell. Now, if Hades is the, re- the waiting place for mankind, and if Tartarus is the waiting place for angels... And at the, at the judgment day, Gehenna will be, the place called Gehenna, that Jesus calls Gehenna, will be receiving both mankind and angels. It's safe, rather safe to assume that this passage, that this place was created before, before Tartarus. So, in order of creation, you might say, Gehenna is created first, then Tartarus, and then, um, then Hades. Now, keep in mind that it is safe. It, what we keep saying is it's safe to assume that all of this was created at this point. It's safe to assume that all three of those were created before mankind ever existed, right? Or at the very least, Hades is created around the same time as mankind. Which means they are created before time exists. 
Okay? So this is a very hard, uh, very hard thing for us to understand. And I, I can't wrap my head around it. And I, I don't think anybody really can. But with God, there is no timeline. Um, even our days and nights do not matter to God. So even while we're trying to uh, safely assume given the context and given what the Bible says about these three different places, that they're created at this time or this time, they were also created in eternity. So in, in eternity, so there is no timeline, as it were. Um, but that, that kind of helps us understand at least to some degree what they're there for because not all, none of them refer to the same place. Hades is the waiting place, the not seen, all receiving place for mankind. Tartarus is the place that is specific in 2 Peter 2, verse 4. He sent the, the sinning angels into Tartarus. Um, so we're just assuming that that is their version of Hades, as it were, um, without the paradise part. And then Gehenna is, is the thing that we think about, the utter, complete separation from mankind, or from, from God, rather. The utter and complete separation from God that will house both the body and the soul after judgment, reunited. Um, and, and then we will be there for eternity, which means our bodies will be there for eternity, which is why at the judgment day and at the resurrection, our bodies will be changed into something that lasts for eternity. Um, so I hope that made that about as clear as mud. That's about as best. I, I, could, I can't answer when it was created, but I thought it might be helpful since I have had a couple of questions about Hades specifically in the last few weeks. Um, I thought it would be beneficial for us just to study all three places. Um, and the only place that we talked about that has a relatively good portion is Hades, where, wherein the righteous people, when they die... Their, their soul goes to Hades. It's like the, the evil person. When, it, when he dies, his soul goes to Hades. Uh, just different sections, as it were, uh, for lack of a better term. So, anyways, if there's anyone that needs to obey the gospel um, and not have to worry about anything that we just talked about, uh, then now is a great time to do so. Um, it, is, it is interesting to study these things. But in all honesty, a, a faithful Christian does not have to worry about anything. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't study it, though, of course. So if you need to respond to the invitation,